1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Go down to verse number 1. The Bible says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. That means any of them crowds out there saying they know exactly when the rapture is going to happen. Don't listen to them. Let me ask you, when's the thief going to break into your house? You knew the time and the date. You didn't do nothing about it. Can I say you're crazy? Amen. I don't know. I don't go down to those places in town and say, hey, what time are you going to break into my house? Right? The thief don't operate that way. And can I say the coming of the Lord, the, the rapture of the church is going to come at a time when man thinketh not. Look at verse number three. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. That that, that day should overtake you as a thief. Listen, you don't know when it's coming, but when it comes, you'll be ready for it. You'll be prepared for it, amen? Look at verse number five. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do or as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Well, how many got to get up sometimes and remind yourself that you're saved by the grace of God because your actions don't always line up with what a, a Christian's ought to line up with. And I'm thankful the helmet of salvation will preach, if man believes in his heart and confesses his name with his mouth, then he's saved, amen. Why do we need a helmet of salvation? Because sometimes you got to remind yourself you didn't get saved by your good works. You got saved because you did what the Bible instructs you to do. You by faith put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go down to verse number nine. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Well, we can stop right there and just say amen. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, I'm enduring to the end. Listen, I'm listening for a trumpet, amen. And I'm gonna be out of here. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. I read verse, I just read verse number 11 and just see, wherefore comfort yourselves to get, preacher, somebody's got to comfort me. I would say comfort yourselves together. Can I say this morning, if you and I walked in here and comforted ourselves in the Lord, we, we, we went to God seeking his comfort and we all came together, we realized we're a lot more comfortable or a lot more comforted than what we realized this morning. But it says, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for this morning. Thank you, Lord, just for being so good to us. Thank you for grace and thank you for mercy. Thank you for salvation full and free. Lord, thank you for a love that is eternal and everlasting. Thank you, Lord, for a, a salvation that completely changes us. Lord, the old man has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Lord, I sure am enjoying this new life that you've given me. Lord, it's far more than material things. Lord, it's far more than money and wealth and popularity and prosperity. God, it is peace and joy and contentment and real satisfaction. And Lord, those are things I cannot experience without you. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you'd work in our hearts. Take the word of God, make it real to us. Uh, apply it to the, 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 the every area of our life that needs it this morning. And I pray, Lord, there's one for someone who doesn't know you as a personal Lord and Savior. Lord, we've sang about the blood. We've sang about Calvary. 
Lord, we've, we've talked about how much you love us. Lord, would you remind them, and Lord, the Holy Spirit continue to work in their heart and draw them to yourself. Lord, they're in a wonderful place to get saved by the grace of God. And Lord, that's what we want. Lord, that's what you want. And I pray, Lord, this morning you just work in their hearts. Lord, help us, Lord, now from the word of God. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, hit me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God, Lord, and just use me for your glory. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can have a seat this morning. Thank you so much for standing. Thank you again for being here this morning. I'll always enjoy preaching to somebody who's sitting out there. Amen. And it's far better than preaching to a camera. But this past week, past few days, we left down Thursday morning. We headed down to St. Simon's Island, Brunswick area. Y'all ladies came down the next day and uh, we had spent some time together as a family and I, I looked at the, 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 me, the mechanics and the schedule of the weekend and, and I knew it was going to be busy and I knew that, that it was going to be not my normal routine and, and, and figuring out when to study and get things together for this morning. And just one of the things I asked, I said, Lord, give me eyes to see. Lord, as, as I go through the weekend, God, those things that I experience and those things that, that we as a family get to do, Lord, make it more than just a, an experience that I see and just a, a surface level thing. But God, would you help me see some eternal truths in my everyday life? How many glad this one, the word of God, that's how you know it's alive and it's quick and it's sharper than any two-edged sword because God can take the regular things of life, run it through the filter of the word of God, and all of a sudden you're seeing things deeper than most people. We'll see, understanding truths that, that not always privy to uh, this morning, but we were there, and, 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 and so I, had, I was I was looking. All right, Lord, let me see some things, and, and no doubt I, the Lord sees some things. Amen. Some things that, that I, I I don't understand spiritually where they apply, but they sure were funny. <laughs> we stayed in that house, and it was uh, it is a house that all me, my kids, my wife, we all just. At the, the the size of it and the the niceness of it and all that kind of stuff, Miss Raylan came running into the living room. She said, "Y'all ain't gonna believe this. Their microwave tells the time." <laughs> it blown away by that. <laughs> Me and Miss Becky got to chuckle. She we said ours does too. We just don't ever said it. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> well, we was down at the 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 coast the one day. <laughs> We were down at the beach. I was out there boogie boarding and just, you know, being a kid at heart again. I came out. I was sitting down because I'm a kid at heart, but not a kid physically. <laughs> Those waves were beating me up. I came out. And I was sitting down. I looked down the coastline, and there was a lady there, and she was in the, she was about knee deep in the water, and she was an older lady, but she was there, and she was standing there like she was ready to fight. And it, it, she was standing like this, and every time that wave would come, she pushed right in. Oh, I about lost my glass. She jumped right into that thing. And like she bounced back like she was ready to fight. I said, Miss Becky, look at this. Look at this. I said, that woman is taking on the ocean. I said, oh, Lord, where's the message in that? And apparently she had whooped the ocean because when she got done, she, I mean, she walked down the beach like she had owned the thing. It was amazing. Oh, preacher, you sound like you enjoyed going on vacation. I always do, amen. I'm not one of the people that are going to complain about vacation. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if all you do is complain about vacation, just stop taking them. <laughs> amen. Everything go perfect? Oh, no, preacher. Everything didn't go perfect, amen. Everything didn't go as planned. And, and there, was, <laughs> there was things. One of the reasons why I went boogie board is because I paid the St. Simon's price for a boogie board. 
And so I was going to make sure I got my money's worth out of that thing. But we got to do a few other things. We, we started touring the lighthouse there at St. Simon's Island. And it wasn't our first lighthouse tour. We've been to one in Tybee. We've been to one in Beaufort. Well, I enjoy history, enjoy those kind of things. And it was amazing. It's one of those, Lord, give me eyes to see. And necessarily it wasn't the light in the lighthouse that began to work in my heart, nor was it the lighthouse itself that began to work in my heart. We were going through the tour. We had made it, you know, we're going up the steps, looking out. Oh, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. We came back down into what was the cottage where the, the light keeper would have lived at. And I began to read those things on the wall. I mean, I love going to museums. I love just reading little things on the wall. It just absolutely amazes me. And when I got to reading about the lighthouse keeper. And it's like every single one I read, I stepped back and said, that'll preach. That'll preach. That'll preach. And it was just one thing after another. This lady was giving me statistics and numbers and dates and it was already working in my mind. And I'm gonna preach on this thought this morning. You say, well, preacher, this is a little far out there. Are you a light keeper? Are you a light keeper? Verse number five says, we are all the children of light. And here's what I realized. That light keeper he did not make the light himself, nor did he make the lighthouse. Matter of fact, that light keeper did not even make the prism in the mechanism that broadcast the light out. All that light keeper was responsible for doing was making sure that no matter what, that light was shining out. And it was shining forth out into the ocean, out into the, the, the sea there, out into the channel so that ships could safely travel from where they were to where they needed to be. And here's the thing this morning. So preacher, what in the world are you trying to say this morning? See, the, the light keeper had a general commission. It was to make sure the light was shining, that it was being broadcast to those who needed it the most. In essence, those who wanted to make a safe passage they could not do it by themselves. They needed the aid of the light. But aren't you glad for the day that you realize because of your sin and because of your nature and because of your condition, as bad as you wanted to and as much as you probably thought that you earned it, you realize I cannot make it to heaven by myself. And God sent a light keeper your way. Oh, he didn't have a uniform and he wasn't carrying a lantern and he didn't have an awesome beard maybe, but somebody came by your way with the glorious light of the gospel. They did not make the gospel up. They didn't write the Bible that contains it, but God had put the light in them and one day they got saved. They said, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to shine the light of the gospel in the lives of a, aren't you glad for the day that God sent a light keeper your way and told you how to make safe passes for you were to where you wanted to be. Boy, I got to thinking about that. The, the Lord used a person, a light keeper in your life. We are the child of light, what verse number five tells us, to shine the gospel of the light of, of Christ into your life. In essence, we, we say that saying, right, the, 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 the title, a light keeper. And in my mind, I think that is one who possesses light and keeps it to themselves, but it goes right along with the, 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 the biblical verbiage of keep my commandments. 
right? We're, we're told to do that. It's not just a performance, but it is a love. It is a concern. It is a desire to please the Lord. And can I say this morning, we that are saved by the grace of God are living in a dark world. We're living in a world that is getting darker and darker by the day. And this world after the fall of man's never been light. It's never been bright. It's been on a downward spiral. But those of us who are saved by the grace of God ought to be light keepers. Those who on purpose, who understand I am commissioned to shine the gospel to a lost and dying world. There's ships, there's people out there that need to hear the gospel. Are we shining the light? This morning I want to give you three qualities of a commendable light keeper. And preacher, that's a big word. I, I read it while I was there. They got commendations. They got awards. They got, they got uh, recommendations. They got recognized. Those light keepers did. And I want to give you three things, three qualities of a commendable light keeper. Or I can put it in helpful language. I can give you three qualities of a good light keeper. Notice number one, a good light keeper had to be dedicated. They had to be dedicated. Look at verse number six. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. We gotta realize, and like I said, I like history, right? The, the perfect vacation for me, right, is, is museums and disc golf, right? That's, that's, if I had those two things, my family there, listen, it's wonderful, and throw in a little bit of Froyo in there too, amen? It's a wonderful time. So pretty much, I had a perfect vacation. <laughs> we went to the museum, I played disc golf, and we ate some froyo. Preacher, why'd you eat the froyo? Because I made a bogey. <laughs> so I had to drown my bogey in froyo, and everything's wonderful. But I, I love, and it's not so much the dates and the facts, but it amazes me how different things were 50 to 100 years ago, and even further back than that. You realize how convenient and comfortable we have it now. And I think that convenience in that comfort level has had a direct effect on our dedication level. Right? We are dedicated as long as it doesn't become uncomfortable. And we are dedicated as long as it is convenient. But I begin to read about these light keepers, these men that worked in the lighthouse, and they lived a life of little comfort in today's terms. They worked long hours. They, they lived a life of great dedication because if a lighthouse keeper or a light keeper did his job half-heartedly, somebody was going to die. And can I say one of the most dangerous things you can do in the Christian life is live it half-heartedly. Why, preacher? Because if you and I are living it half-heartedly and we're not shining the light of the gospel in a consistent and a concise and a day-after-day -day kind of way, somebody's life is going to end in a wreck who could have had an opportunity to hear the light and hear the gospel this morning. The light keeper lived a life of little comfort. Notice there, in the life keeper, they had to be dedicated. Why? There was a chosen separation. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And the Christian life is to be a life of chosen separation, not forced. God will never force you and I to do anything. He'll never force you. He's a perfect gentleman. He didn't force you to get saved. He didn't force you to serve him. He doesn't force you to live for him. But he has called us. He has instructed us. He has told us to be separate from the world. But it's a choice you and I are going to have to make. 
Just like the light keeper had to make a choice to be separate because of his responsibility. There was things that he could not do because they would take him away. They would not allow him to do the job that he was supposed to do. The light keeper separation was tied to a greater cause. I can imagine St. Simon's Island is a wonderful island. <laughs> we were down at the pier uh, a few nights down there and we got together and we were walking the piers, going to the pier, walking the shops, different things like that. And every night that we went down there, there was a group of, of, of uh, uh, well-seasoned uh, people, well-aged people. They were all sitting in a circle and they... <laughs> And they had a little charcoal grill and they were cooking hot dogs and passing hot dogs around to each other. We went back the next night, they were doing the same exact thing. Miss Raylan, she is observant. She gets it from me, honest. And she said, do they do that every night? I said, honey, when you're retired, you can do that every night. You can just, let's go walk down to the pier, sit in a circle and eat hot dogs together. You can do that. But there's a chosen separate. You got to realize there's a lot going on. And that light keeper could have said, you know what? Instead of doing my responsibility, what I've been commissioned to do, I'm going to go enjoy this. I'm going to go do that. It's more fun. It's more entertaining. It is, it is, it's pleasing to me. I, that chosen separation, that sacrifice, it's hard. Can I say this morning, if there's one thing the devil wants to do with you as a Christian, it isn't necessarily to get you way out there in sin. It is just to get you distracted. To get your focus off from where it's supposed to be. There's a chosen separation. It's just like us as a Christian, we are separated for service. The health and wealth prosperity got it all. We're not here to have fun. We're not here to, to play games. We're not here to enjoy everything the world has to offer. We are here to serve God. That's what we've been commissioned to do. It's a chosen separation. But notice not only is it a chosen separation, it's a chosen sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice that you might, that I knew I was going to forget it, that it's wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Oh, preacher, I got up for church this morning. I read my Bible this morning. I prayed this morning, preacher. I was in Sunday school. I sang in the choir. I'm sitting in the pew now. I, I volunteer here and there, preacher. Look at everything I'm doing. Can I say what you and I do for God isn't necessarily a great sacrifice, but it is our reasonable service. See, the light keeper had to be willing to give all to make sure the light was shining. He had to be willing to give all. He had, there were storms that had to be weathered. There were sleepless nights that had to be endured. Right? There, was, there was things that he had to put on the back burner because they weren't necessarily wrong, but they weren't needed in the moment. Can I say in the Christian life, you will not live the Christian life the way God intended it to be lived without the element of sacrifice. There's a chosen separation. There's a chosen sacrifice. Can I say that, can we, can we honestly say this morning, that we are like that when it comes to serving God. Oh, I can't give that up, preacher. Ah, I, I can't rearrange that, preacher. That's more important to me than being a light keeper for the Lord. Let me ask you, how dedicated are you to the Lord? What motivates you? Is it your comfort and your convenience or is it your compassion and your commission this morning? Notice, number one, a light keeper had to be dedicated. Number two, this morning, a light keeper had to be diligent. 
had to be diligent. Preacher, how hard could that be? Go over there, flip the switch, and turn the light on. Can I say you and I grew up in a different generation? As long as I've been alive, every light switch, as long as everything's hooked up, working properly, always turns on a light. It's instantaneous. You just go there and turn a light. But I got to read it about those, those men that were keeping the light there. And this was before electricity was brought down to the island. It was before it was even invented at that point. And I got to read it, and it amazed me how, how, how enduring and how, how hard and laborious the process was that these men would light the, 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 the lighthouse for the ships that were coming in. See, that man would have to go, and he'd grab a, a pail of sorts, and it, was, it contained 35 pounds of oil. He would fill it up, and he'd take that 35 pounds up 129 steps straight up. Can I say I walked him without a pail? And I was tired before I got halfway through. And here's what I found. It got more uncomfortable as we got higher. Why? Hot air rises. I, I, here he is. He's got 35 pounds of oil in a pitcher. He's walking up almost vertically 129 steps. And he had to do that every hour and 45 minutes. The lady at the thing said, so you won't be shocked when you look at the pictures of the light keepers and how skinny they are. Every hour and 45 minutes, they would make that trip 129 steps up with 35 pounds of oil. She said, come nighttime, they had to wake up every so often and trim back the wick so it would continue to burn and the light wouldn't go out. They had to be diligent. <laughs> it was one of those moments where I said, that'll preach. She said, that thing had to be filled with oil in order for him to get to the top and to keep the light burning. I said, that'll preach. How, preacher? Tell me how it preaches. I wonder why some Christians aren't burning this morning. It's probably because they're not full. Trying to live the Christian life not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not talking about anything crazy. I'm talking about letting the Lord lead you and guide you and direct you. And it's more about what does the Holy Spirit want out of my life than what do I want out of my life. Preacher, I want to burn bright. Well, you want to get filled first. And you have to stay full this morning and letting the Lord lead you and guide you just to keep the light going. But I found out that wasn't their only responsibility. That was the main goal. That was their, their, their main commission was to keep the light burning. And can I say this morning, that is our great commission, isn't it? To preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. But at the same time, it's, it's not our only thing we've been instructed to do. I found out that light keeper had things they had to do every day. They had things they had to do every month. They had things they had to do every quarter. They had things they had to do every year. And it was a, every day there was something going on, a task that had to be completed. So preacher, why did they have to be diligent? Because they had the responsibility of maintenance. Keeping up the, the, the grounds, repairing what was broken, maintaining a record book, and managing resources. That was all of their responsibilities. Let me ask you, how well do you maintain this life that you now live? this great salvation that God has given to you, how often and how, how diligent are you about the things that God has instructed you to do? Well, preacher, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. You're going to stand and give an account for it. I'll stand and give an account before Christ. Not whether or not I, I, I tied my tie right and I, I, my, my pant legs were at the right, right length to please the brethren, but rather whether or not I was diligent to the things that God had called me to. It was responsibility of maintenance. 
Then the responsibility of cleanliness. <laughs> We're, <clears throat> if you ever go to a museum with me and my family, here's what the experience is going to be like. We're going to walk in and we're going to start looking at things and you'll hear this, huh, did you know? And it's just back and forth. Did you know? Did you know? And we're just reading things off. We got upstairs and we got to looking at the living quarters of the light keeper and his family. And there on the one of the signs it said every day the light keeper's wife would grab water and boil it and then wipe down every wall and ceiling in the house to remove soot from the fireplace. Every day she would make sure the house, the walls, the ceiling were clean. Let me ask you, in your Christian life, how long are you okay with your life being dirty? How long are you okay with not dealing with the things the Holy Spirit's pointed out towards you? Oh, I won't worry about that. I won't worry about it. Here's the thing. If she didn't do that every day, it would become a dangerous situation. That stuff's flammable. It could burn up. The responsibility of cleanliness, cleaning soot from the walls. It was an everyday task that had to be done. Preacher, why? Why would they do all this effort? Why would they give all of this time and all this effort to this responsibility? Here's another thing I read. They said, because at any moment, the commander could show up and they'd have to stand inspection. He would inspect not just the light. He would inspect the lighthouse, the, 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 the cottage where they lived, the grounds that they stayed on. So preacher, why would they do all that? Because they didn't want to fail inspection. Let me ask you this way. Today was your last day. And you stood before Christ before the day was over and had to give an account for what you've done with your salvation. Could you stand there and say, Lord, I've done all. Could you stand there with the Apostle Paul and said, I have finished my course? Or we have to stand before God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Because of my lack of diligence, I didn't do the things you told me to do. A light keeper had to be diligent. They had to be dedicated. The notice number three this morning, the light keeper had to be dependable. They had to be dependable. Look at verse number 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also... You do. We were walking from the pier to the lighthouse and dragging our feet because it was, it wasn't, we were waiting for it to open. And we were there down the pier and one of those big old cargo ships came by. And Shiloh said, big boat, Dad, big boat. I said, you're right. And we were trying to figure out what kind of boat it was and, and what they were carrying. I'm pretty sure they were carrying cars on it. And we were watching that. And as it was coming by, that thing said, I thought that was sure nice of that man. He blew his horn for me and my kids. You know, it's like you ever drove down the road and got the semi-truck behind you, trying to get it a honker horn? <laughs> I tried it. I, I don't know if it was a direct reaction to that or not. But I thought, man, that's awesome. They, they, they seen us standing out here on the, uh, right, right here on the, the, the shoreline, and they honked their horn for us. Well, my kids were excited until I got to the lighthouse. I realized it wasn't for us. I was reading, once again, I was reading them things. I mean, listen, you go to a museum, Lord, give me eyes to see. <laughs> You'll never see a museum the same way again. I got to read that thing that said the, 
as ships come into port, if you hear three blasts of the horn, said they're saluting the lighthouse. They're saluting and in essence saying thank you for guiding and directing me to the place where I was supposed to be. Or you could say thank you for being dependable. Thank you for, for, for doing what you were supposed to do. But we know this morning and you know, nowadays it's different but back then that light didn't light itself. It was because the light keeper was dependable. He had made that journey up and down and up and down and up and down and as a way of showing gratitude, those ships would come in and three horn blasts saying, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for being dependable. See, those without depend upon the light keeper. I'm pretty sure there's more, but I did a quick Google search of shipwrecks near St. Simon's Island. I found two. I think there's got to be more, right? Because people are people. But I found two. One was back in 2019. A big cargo ship carrying lots of cars, capsized in the middle right there by St. Simon's Island. It was there for three or four years as they cleaned it up. And the other one I found was in 1811. A schooner ship had come through and was carrying something. The words, I don't know what they was carrying. They was carrying something, though. And it ended up capsizing. Neither one of those wrecks were the fault of the lighthouse. It was user error. It was, it was something else that caused the problem. I got to begin to think, out of all those years, there's two wrecks. And they weren't caused by the lighthouse. So I wonder how many ships made it through safely to port because the lighthouse was there. And the light keeper had done his job. See, those who have followed and those who headed in the direction of the lighthouse made it safely to port and as you and I shine the light of the gospel, there's no telling this morning those who have found safety because we've shared the gospel with them. We've introduced them to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, those without depend on the lighthouse and the light keeper. But then I found out those within depend on the light keeper too. I was reading another thing. I'm telling you, I, I, I got my money's worth out of the lighthouse and my boogie board. <laughs> Broke my boogie board. <laughs> Not made for people my size. Did that make you stop preaching? Nope, I kept riding that thing. But I found out that not only those without depend on it, but those within. They were talking about the daily life there around the lighthouse. And it wasn't normally just the man that was there. He normally had a wife and he had children. And I found out there was, they interviewed one of the light keeper's sons. And he said, I look back at my childhood growing up in and around the lighthouse and watching my daddy work. He said, I, I look back and my heart is filled with joy. It's filled with love. It's filled with fondness. He said, I, I, my, my childhood was wonderful. When I got to thinking about that, I said, I wonder how many children don't have that testimony because they don't have a faithful light keeper at home. They don't have parents who are faithfully serving God, faithfully shining the light out, and faithfully living out the gospel. Can I say this morning, Mom, Dad, one of the greatest things you can ever do is just live for God in front of your children. 
Let him see that he's worth it. Let him see that he's worthy. Let him see that there's nothing greater that you would ever want to do with your life. Can I say, they'll look back and say, listen, mom and dad didn't have everything. Mom and dad didn't have the big houses. Mom and dad didn't have everything. But man, mom and dad loved God. And they expressed that love towards us. Well, I'm so glad for that. And I'm so thankful for that. Can I say as a pastor and as a Christian, my heart's desire is to show my kids that yes, there are hard times and yes, people are going to be people and yes, there's going to be struggles and yes, there's going to be issues and all that kind of stuff, but he is worthy. He's worthy. Why? Because those within are depending upon the light keeper. But not just that he's worthy. I found this out. By the age of 10, the girls were capable of cooking dinner, cleaning house, washing clothes, and helping out with inside stuff around the lighthouse grounds. And by the age of 10, boys were able to help their dad with lighthouse duties, repairs, fixing things out. Excuse me, fixing things up. I said, that'll preach. <laughs> Can I say this, preacher? I want my kids to serve God. I want them to live for the Lord. Preacher, what do I need to do? Teach them. Train them. Preacher, how early is too early? As they're saved by the grace of God, teach them to serve God. Here's what we've settled for. We're okay with telling our kids to serve God. Y'all better serve God. Can I say we're commanded to teach them? Teach them and train them how to do those things. Preacher, I would never have a 10-year-old climbing up on top of a lighthouse to help me do something dangerous. I understand that this morning. I understand we live in a different generation. We got to wear helmets when we ride bicycles, all that kind of stuff. But can I say when it comes to serving God, don't expect them to catch it from anybody else but you. Because they don't catch it at home, they're probably not going to catch it anywhere else. A light keeper has to be dependable, has to be dedicated, has to be diligent. Are you shining the light of Christ towards those that are depending upon you, not just without, but within as well? Are you shining? Are you a light keeper this morning? Here's the thing. When we went there, we didn't meet no light keepers. They're all dead. But the light was still shining. How do you know, preacher? I seen it at night. We were standing on the pier. I said, look, the lighthouse is shining. Matter of fact, I've got a picture of my family standing in front of it. And here's what the thing is. All of that is automated now. It's all part of a system and a program and electronics. And it's programmed to turn on at a certain time, turn off at a certain time. And it's, it's just a push of the button. And here's what the problem is. Is that same mentality has crept into the church. It's crept into the average Christian life. If it ain't easy and if it ain't automated, I'm not going to do it. Can I say this morning? We ought to have some light keepers in our church that said, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure the light is shining forth out of my life. Well, I want to be a good light keeper this morning. I want to be dependable. I want to be diligent. I want to be dedicated this morning. Let me ask you this morning. What kind of light keeper are you? Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.